Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Nick DeShano from Offshore Tackle joins the show for episode number 170. We discuss the beginnings of Offshore Tackle as a company, how the planer board has evolved, and all the other products that make up the Offshore Tackle product line. Trevor Sumption from Fishhawk Electronics is co-hosting this episode. So Nick, uh, tell us about uh, Offshore Tackle. And first of all, we've never had you on the show, yeah. so just tell us about yourself. Well, I've been with the company as when I was a little kid, and my dad started out in about 81. So uh, we've been through it, and, and uh, it's been been a lot of fun. Seen a lot of things change and, and meet some great people along the way. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we started out like I said, in 81, about 91, 92. We started with the planer boards, and that, that pretty much blew everything up after that that took us from a kind of a side job job when dad was charter fishing and working for detroit edison and then turned it into a, a full-fledged business and i've been fortunate enough that's i've been involved in the fishing industry my whole life and that's the jobs i've had so yeah. it's been it's been a lot of fun so dad bruce started the company yep and i, I interviewed him uh, this fall so you can look up that interview on the podcast that's kind of cool. So what was the first product then? So it didn't start with planer boards. What was the first no, product? The first product was the, the OR1, just a downrigger release. Dad was, he, he grew up in Detroit area. Um, he started coming up as a kid. He'd come up fishing on the, the thumb in, in Lake Michigan, uh, Lake Huron up in Michigan's thumb. And um, about, I was five years old, I think. And he moved up in the Harbor Beach to work at their power plant and did at, at, for Detroit Edison. And uh, started charter fishing, salmon fishing, one of the first salmon charters in the area. And um, building just a re original release was just a old metal alligator clip. We I remember a little kid, we're gluing pads sitting in our lap in our basement and, mm -hmm. and putting releases together. And eventually it turned into a, a plastic version of it. And from then it grew on to the stacker releases and then eventually with the planer boards and now weight systems and all kinds of different stuff. So were you gluing those pads in, your, in a garage? In our basement. In a basement. In our basement. Yeah. And the funny thing is, last week, yeah, what was I doing in my basement? Gluing, was pads. gluing pads and releases. We've been the last two years have been so crazy. We're scrambling, doing everything we right. can to catch up. Well, <laughs> Bruce is another one of the guys in the industry that is, is somebody that I really look up to because it's somebody that's that proved that you can do this, right? So this is somebody that he's he's really stayed pretty true to that product line and his vision originally, and so. He's another one of those guys that's been around a long time. Offshore has been around a long time, and and uh, you know that's you know personally been kind of inspirational to me and in, in the whole business part of this, the you know the the fishing industry. So, yep. so that, that's that's pretty cool, and and uh, doesn't go unnoticed. So. Yeah, no, it's been it's been neat, like I said, and to see even myself myself to look back and see yeah power plant working and that and turned into no formal education of that everything's seat of your pants and right. made a lot of mistakes and made a lot of yeah, good decisions right. along the way but yep. that's that's what that's how you learn you know yeah. that's how you get better with stuff so yeah i love yep. those those businesses that come out of basements and garages and you know you, you've got even companies like apple you know started mm -hmm. started in the garage you know that yeah to yeah. me that's just awesome mm -hmm. uh you know you said as a young youngster in 1981 you were tagging around and helping i noticed uh, over here it looks like i think that's your son over yeah right? yeah my son he's 12 now it's kind of neat though to be able to stay 
that kind of a company. You know, yeah. so many of these companies get big and they get sold out to the big conglomerate companies, and then most of the products go away and they take the top two. So it's it's neat to be able in this kind of industry to be able to stay a a small family oriented company and you know and we work with some amazing people we have the roman x we worked with for for years and years and and, and uh, it's just it's just great you know it's just a cool industry to be with um a lot of neat people and you go to a lot of neat places and, and hey it's you know it's better than selling toilet paper at least we get to go right. fishing to promote our product so yeah. it's, it's yeah. better than that. <laughs> what's that like for you dad to know that not only is son following his footsteps but now his grandson's wearing the same sweatshirt of yep it's pretty cool you know i think i think it hit him the most a few years ago when he got did the hall of fame that much so um decompress and really start to put some stuff together and you know look back in, in the years and, and how things happen you said something very interesting right there you said he's settled down does that mean that he was once uh difficult to work with no not really we've, we've, <laughs> we've actually had you know sometimes the the family things can be tough but we've, yeah. we've been pretty lucky and and like i said a lot of it because i grew up doing it you know and, and most of the stuff that i learned a lot of it i learned from him so we've kind of got the same mindset on stuff you know there's a few differences but for the most part we've kind of got some we've, we've done pretty good getting along on this yeah he, he won't tell you but nick's a pretty highly educated guy right and so <laughs> so he made a choice to come back so, so it couldn't be all bad yeah. <laughs> i don't know about highly educated but i made it through we'll it <laughs> so, so you're not the phd that rob mallory was I just said. no i wish i wish yeah that, right but, no. so but. we kind of got through that first product uh tell us about that transition into boards and and just talk about your boards. Yeah, well, that come about. I remember we were, we were charter fishing, and and uh, you know that was just when the the PWT was getting big and starting to go, and all the walleye stuff was going. Um, and when we were at Lake Huron, we were starting to do the transition. That was one of the first declines of the salmon fishing. So we were looking for different things and different stuff to go into, and uh, we met up with uh, you know Mark Romanek and um, gary parsons and keith cabias and then they were using different boards at the time and then they weren't really performing to what they wanted to do you know we had some other ones that we were using and they just didn't start to do different weights and different stuff out to the side and it really wasn't working and we had made uh, the little mini releases to go on other planer boards and then we started thinking and they didn't really want to mess with these little releases so dad says well maybe we'll build our own planer board put this release on now that we got all the tooling and everything for it so we hooked up with mark and keith and gary and and uh worked with them to, to develop the or12 and you know i remember we were in sports shows at 11 o'clock at night in the swimming pool you know <laughs> showing pulling the planer yeah. board back and forth and we'd pull it and we'd have one of the our tool maker that helped us design the tool for the original one and we'd move it move the bracket around and we'd pull it across the other way no that didn't do anything and we'd you know people are looking in the window at midnight wondering what the heck these guys are doing with this thing in the water um so it was neat and i'm lucky you know, to be able to i was old enough that i could really absorb all that coming up and seeing the whole thing so it's been pretty neat you know now to see all over the place and popping up and yeah. There's a lot of choices in planer boards these days. Mm -hmm. You know, there was then, there is now. Uh, what's special about offshore planer boards? Why should they, if someone's in the market, why should they look at you? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, it, for one, it just runs good. It yeah, just they run good super consistent. You know, yeah, it's consistent. very consistent. Um, it's durable. We can beat the heck out of the thing. I mean, I've played around with our, our metal bracket. We used to, we were our plastic bracket now, we used to have a metal bracket. And then when we switched from the metal bracket, 
to the plastic one, guys, oh, could you, can I get the metal bracket? It's stronger and all that. And I'd show them. I take the plastic bracket, and I've, I've literally run it over with my truck, and it doesn't break. You know, I think we've had maybe two that of all the planer boards we've sold, I've only heard of two brackets breaking, and who knows yeah. how that even happened. So the durability, they, they just run, and, and, and we've got so many ways you can run them. So if you're running heavy weights, you can run it with, with different styles. We've got it now where you can adjust the weights a little easier. So with the, you just pull the screw out. You can flip the weight around 180 degrees, and now the weight's all the way forward. So if you're pulling the heavier lead cores or weighted steel lines and stuff like that, you can adjust them. You can change the toe points and the, the different releases we offer between braid or monofilament releases so there, there's just so many options you can do and and there's no right or wrong way to do it whatever works for you you talk to 10 guys yeah. running boards you'll get a whole bunch of different ways of doing it and, and everyone that runs it their way is the way to run it so mm -hmm. you, you try it and whatever you're most comfortable with that's what you stick with and, and do i think i saw an insta post this this winter somebody using an offshore board as an ice scraper for the windshield yeah. of the car <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah so you know so multi multi multi-function yeah yeah well and a lot of them like we go to the tournaments a lot of our pro staff guys will have repair kits mm -hmm. so if you get your phone beat up you know your flags all faded out or twisted over the years of running it you go up to them mm -hmm. and say hey you got a piece of foam we get foam you can rebuild board and and we, I mean, I still see boards out there with the metal brackets on them, and those got to be 20 plus years old. I think the other thing, too, as a fellow kind of uh, domestic manufacturer, you know, I, I know the guy that, that supplies all their foam, right? And and uh, pretty cool that, you know, it's a, you know, it's a Michigan made product yeah. from, you know, from pellet up basically yeah. from the pellets of plastic yeah. right through the foam through everything. And so that's something to keep in mind, too. Yeah, well, and it's nice because, you know, our, our plastic company is within, a, both of them are within two-hour drives of my house. Yeah. So we got an issue, we go there, or we're building a new product, we can design it, I can be there in two hours and look at it, you know. And, and I like being able to go in in the morning, and I'm watching the people build our planer boards, you know. I don't have to learn a different language to talk to the people that are building our products for it. And, and I think that goes a long way, and it's more expensive. You know, I mean, will we make more money if we send it over to China and get it copied or, you know, and bring, we could make more money, but we can't control the quality of it and we can't control the supply as well. I mean, we've had issues the last couple of years, but I can't imagine if we had to wait for a ship to come across yeah. and that could be months. So there's just some advantages we can work around and, and, and we don't plan anytime soon for any reason to, to do anything different. I, I like doing it and I like being able to. Have that Put your hands flag on, on the product, and you know it's, it's important to me. Yeah, you, you alluded to it there a little bit. You know, the last few years it's been tough, mm -hmm. um, just keeping things in stock. And, yep. and not only just we've had a lot of demand, and people want to go fishing, they're buying stuff, but also on the back end, even as an American manufacturer, <laughs> like sometimes it's just tough to get stuff. You know, things cost more, and it's kind of, you know, it's caused a disruption for everybody. How did you guys navigate that, and what do you see kind of moving forward with that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting to say the least, you know, and, and we don't have a huge, you know, group put together to begin with to build everything. So we're, we've been doing good, and we're, the last couple of years have been been behind, but we're, we're caught, catching up now good. Um, you know, supplies, it's, it's like anything else. You know, you get going good, and one little 
nickel dime part it's, will hold you up for the, a couple. Of weeks. We call it the hundredth part. Yeah. You know? So you, if you need a hundred parts and you have ninety nine, <laughs> you're ninety nine percent of the way there. But it doesn't matter because if you don't right. have the hundredth part, you, you, know, part you can't get it out of the door. Yeah. yeah. But but luckily this this year we're finally getting into a spot where where things are a lot better shape and and the supply is, is getting a lot better out there. So hopefully that's that's behind us and we can get on forward to like what we've been doing. So. Hey, we got one here from uh, Glenn Gnetsky. Glenn says, a great product, used OR-12s last spring, worked awesome. Just ordered some OR-37 mags uh, for 400 copper. Intimidating at first until you catch your first salmon or first king on one. Thank you. Thanks for the comment there, Glenn. That's great. Yeah, well, and those are fun. You know, that big magnum board we built and... Uh, yeah, we tested that with 500 copper. I tested it. I had back surgery, and when we were building that board, I had back surgery in July, I think. So I had to wait till September before I'm out there testing it again. But I'm, you know, out there drilling this thing in, and and uh, and it's been running. It runs good. It's got a lot of flotation in it, so it stays above the water nice. It runs a lot different than our OR12. You know, the OR12s run pretty nose up, whereas the the mag board it runs fairly level, but it doesn't it doesn't dive. There's enough float where it stays level, and it just kind of goes tank go through the water like a tank but it'll it'll pull some heavy weight and and it, and it pulls harder but typically you know if you're running 400 bigger copper, rig. you've yeah. got a bigger rod yeah and, and you really after a while you, you don't notice any difference as, as far as just bringing it in and everything runs the same you hook it up the same way um so yeah that's that's been a good one and some guys are using it catfishing guys down south are using it a lot they're pulling big Big twelve ounce weights with mm. two pound skipjack for bait behind he's, those things. Using the big board, using the big using board, the big board, and catching eighty pound catfish with the thing. Mm. Cool, and that's that's pretty neat to see. So we went from the clip to the board. Now we got even more stuff. Tell us about kind of the, yep. the entire product line, some of the other things that we haven't talked about. Yet. Yep, we got our weight systems. After the board come, then there was a the weight system. You know, snap weights with the the release, the or sixteen with the pin in the center of the pad. Um, the weight systems went a long ways, and then. Uh, after we develop that for a while, we come out with our, our tadpoles. We found those, and, and the nice thing with the tadpoles is they're better at, at pinning down a weight. You know, the, the snap weights are good if you're searching the water column and you don't exactly know where the fish are at and it covers more water, where if you want, I want to go 12 feet down, you put the tadpole on there with a crawler harness or a spoon or even a crankbait behind it, and then it'll get you right to where you need to be. And it's good for all species. We've caught everything from crappie to salmon on this thing so it's just another way of just of getting everything down we're in the strike zone where it needs to be your dad was showing me a crankbait tuner that you mm -hmm. have out too let's talk about that for a minute yeah the crankbait tuner is neat um it, it's, it's a little different than this it's not a set of pliers right. but it's got a it's got the uh i don't know i guess where you'd say like a collapsible collapsing jaw it just kind of ratchets open so you you squeeze it and the, and the amount of pressure that it takes to to pop that jaw open that's how much you move the eye and and, and that'll help because it doesn't you don't have to worry about it, uh players nicking the side of the bill or anything on it and the biggest advantage is, is you get a small thin wire you know a thin eyed bait like a flicker shad or something like that it, it's easy to over tune it, it, it was that the idea was to keep from you know and tuning a crankbait a, a little goes a long way is, is, is that was that the idea was to just have it where you can make those micro adjustments yeah and, and that's it it's because <laughs> most people that, that aren't used to tuning the crankbait they they put pressure on the eye, and they move it until they see that move. Well, if you're seeing the eye move, you probably maybe way went too far. Interesting. You know, and a lot of times when we just give enough pressure, and there's a little there's a pressure adjustment, the knob you tighten the knob down, 
and the tighter you turn the knob, the more pressure it takes to break open. So like a flicker shad, you start out pretty light. And as soon as I keep adding the pressure, I'll give it maybe a half a turn. If that doesn't make a change, I'll give it another half. And then as soon as you see the bait start to make a change, I just leave that alone and you give it a couple couple more clicks. The, the biggest thing to remember with that is that when you open the jaw, it breaks the, the jaws open. So you got to remember to go in there and manually close that jaw shut. And every time you make an adjustment, you close the jaw shut. Because when you put it back on the crankbait, it looks like you might be able to squeeze it. But it's still, it's not, you, no matter how hard you squeeze, you're not going to make an adjustment. And then you could have an issue there. So just remember to close that jaw and, and uh, you'll be good. Uh, explain to people, it's like a torque wrench for your crank. Yeah, that's what you yeah, said. It's exactly. like, basically a torque, like a torque driver, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's a question for you. You're probably the expert at this. Uh, this is from Jim. He wants to know, what's the best glue when replacing rubber pads? Best glue. We use just, just a good, like a water-resistant super glue, something that doesn't expand. Mm-hmm. So you don't like a Gorilla Glue, how that'll expand. You don't want that. Just just a good water-resistant super glue. Um, I like to get a pair of vice grips and just, just open it up. You got to be careful when you open it up, especially with, with the pliers. You can. It's easy to, to open it too far or just make sure if it's open that way when you release it you want to make sure that those two little pins in the back of the release line up in the hole so when you close it down they don't break off so you just let it down real slow but yeah it, it takes a little bit you chip away the pad on the inside but eventually you, you scrape all that out of there and then just just a little drop of glue in the center is all you need you don't need a lot of glue i mean our the glue we drop is probably the not much bigger than the size of a pencil that drop that gets dropped in there and then just drop them in there. Um, a good idea to do for winter time, or if you if you're going for a long time without using the releases, you rip off little pieces, uh, whether it's a paper plate or something, and you shove that between the pads. <laughs> so if they sit too long, those pads sometimes might stick together, stick and then together. when you go to open it, it could pull them out. So There's, a good winter storage is is to put the little chunks of paper in between the pads. As your pro tip. Yep. And that'll help. Paper in the pads. Pro yep. tip. <laughs> paper in the pads with a pro tip. Nick, uh, appreciate you sitting down with us. If people want to find out more about Offshore Tackle, where should they go? Uh, they can go to our website, offshoretackle.com. Um, we've got Facebook page. It's the same, the same thing. Just search Offshore Tackle on Facebook, and we've got Instagram and YouTube videos and all that stuff. And thanks, guys, for having me. It's awesome. been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Good Thank to see you. you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.